Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 180 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. That song you are hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier from their 2009 album, Everyone on Every Night. I highly encourage you guys to check out Pacifier. If you get a minute, you can find them anywhere that you get your music. And I wanted to start today's episode by talking a little bit about Henrik Lundqvist being named a finalist for the King Clancy Memorial Trophy. And this is something that we spoke about a little bit at the tail end of our last episode on Friday. That episode focused on the Rangers' impending free agents. There are eight of them all together. And I kind of just went through the entire list, talked about who might be back with the Rangers next season, who might be moving on to another team, who they should prioritize re-signing, who might be a little bit too expensive, things like that. Just a nice overall look at the Rangers' upcoming class of free agents. So definitely check out that episode if you haven't gotten the opportunity yet. But today what I wanted to do was talk a little bit about Henrik Lundqvist and his work that resulted in him, again, being a finalist for the King Clancy Memorial Trophy. He is one of three finalists, along with Matt Dumba of the Minnesota Wild and P.K. Subban of the New Jersey devils. But all three of these individuals just doing outstanding work off the ice, and it's a time where the world really kind of needs it. Obviously, it's really kind of hit the fan in 2020, to say the very least, and obviously any kind of good news is certainly welcome, uh, given everything that has happened throughout this year. But yes, the King Clancy Memorial Trophy goes annually to the player who best exemplifies leadership qualities on and off the ice and has made a noteworthy humanitarian contribution in his community. And Henrik Lundqvist definitely qualifies. He, along with his wife, has raised more than $3.2 million since forming the Henrik Lundqvist Foundation. It helps several charities and has directly given grants and made commitments of more than $1.5 million in support of children's health and education. Lundqvist also has helped raise money and made donations to help those in need during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, the only other New York Ranger to ever win this award since its inception in 1987-1988 was Adam Graves. He won the award in 1993-1994, so obviously a big year for the Rangers that year. But uh, Graves won it for his extensive community work. He served as celebrity chairman of New York's Family Dynamic Program, which is a charity that assists abused children. So Adam Graves obviously doing phenomenal work then, uh, just one of the true good guys in hockey at the time and really has remained such uh, throughout the years that have gone by. We hear nothing but good things about Adam Graves. But what I'll do now is read the message on Henrik Lundqvist's website for the Henrik Lundqvist Foundation. It reads, The Henrik Lundqvist Foundation, through its fundraising efforts and community outreach, strives to create positive change in the lives of children and adults throughout the world through education and health services. And the Henrik Lundqvist Foundation has several partners. It partners with the Garden of Dreams Foundation. We hear a lot about that during Ranger games, during coverage of the New York Rangers throughout the season. The Garden of Dreams Foundation works with all areas of the MSG company, including the Rangers, Knicks, Liberty, MSG Entertainment, MSG Networks, and Fuse to make dreams come true for kids facing obstacles. And Henrik Lundqvist has been a spokesperson for Garden of Dreams since 2009. And... 
Another partner of the Henrik Lundqvist Foundation is each of New York Presbyterian's children's hospitals. They are Morgan Stanley Children's Hospital and the Kamansky Center for Children's Health. They provide outstanding care and specialized treatment to kids with major illnesses. The Henrik Lundqvist Foundation also partners with the Ronald McDonald House Charities. They strive to make children who are facing illnesses happier and healthier by keeping families together, giving them a place to rest and refresh that feels like home. So obviously a fantastic organization there. And then lastly, Henrik Lundqvist Foundation also partners with Together for Better. This is a Swedish foundation that strives to create positive change in the lives of children through education by supporting schools in some of the most marginalized areas of the Dominican Republic. So obviously very cool, the Henrik Lundqvist Foundation partnering with all these wonderful charities. I mean, really, all the four charities that I just mentioned, I could probably do an entire episode about each one of them individually. But just to give you guys kind of a little bit of oversight of what the Henrik Lundqvist Foundation is and what they do, these are some of the charities that they partner with. And to make a donation, you can go to hlundquistfoundation.com slash donate. Once again, that is hlundquistfoundation.com dot com slash donate. They really are doing fantastic work and it would be cool to see Henrik Lundqvist win the award, but really I don't think this is about winning awards. This is about making change and bettering the lives of others and that's something that is sorely needed uh, here in what has certainly been a challenging 2020. And while we're talking about Henrik Lundqvist, we might as well go ahead and address his future as we've done pretty much really even since before the season ended. And now certainly that we're into the Ranger offseason a little bit, talking a little bit about what could happen with Henrik Lundqvist next year. Does he come back to the Rangers and just play out the last year of his contract in a backup role? Do the Rangers convince him to waive their no-move clause and they send him to a team that looks to have a chance to win the Stanley Cup next season? Does he retire? I mean, this really could go a lot of different ways. And I got to say, there's one thing that I'm keeping an eye on right now. And I kind of wish that Henrik Lundqvist had waived his no-move clause because there was at least some chatter that the Colorado Avalanche could be interested in Lundqvist. Maybe not necessarily as a starter, but somebody to have there in the locker room, have a veteran backup and somebody who could kind of be a leader on a team that, you know, is fairly young and looking to go on a Stanley Cup playoff run here. And of course, a lot of these players on the Colorado Avalanche, they've never been passed round two. Lundqvist certainly has. So maybe he could kind of be a little bit of a positive influence on a fairly young locker room. But, you know, we talked about, you know, all these different landing spots that Henrik Lundqvist could possibly find himself at if he was to waive his no-move clause. And again, the Avalanche, a team that kind of just kept coming up. So, you know, there's part of me that can't help wish that Henrik Lundqvist was there right now, still alive in the postseason, and with a chance to win his first Stanley Cup. And, you know, you look at the Avalanche, they are the number two seed in the West. They lead the Coyotes right now two games to one in their best of seven series, and they certainly have the look of a team that's capable of winning the Stanley Cup this year. And yeah, you know, it would be bittersweet to see Henrik Lundqvist win a Stanley Cup with a different team other than the Rangers, but I don't think it would be really all that bitter, to tell you the truth. I think it would mostly be sweet because, yeah, in a perfect world, he would win the Stanley Cup with the Rangers, but if we have to deal with him winning the Cup with a team like the Colorado Avalanche, I think most of us could smile and be happy for Henrik Lundqvist. And so if the Avalanche go on to win the Stanley Cup this season, uh, that's going to be rough too because we all know that, you know, that was one of the more uh, talked about landing spots for Henrik Lundqvist. And again, I don't know how much steam that ever really had. I don't know how much consideration Henrik Lundqvist has even given to waiving his no-move clause. Everything that he said in interviews suggests that he wants to be with the Rangers, ideally, and maybe finish his career as a New York Ranger. We'll see how it unfolds this season. Again, this is something that could be uh, looked at once more by the Rangers and by Henrik Lundqvist. Is there a team that he would like to go to if a trade was in place? 
And I mentioned the Avalanche. Listen, it's entirely possible that the Avalanche wouldn't have been willing to make a trade for Henrik Lundqvist anyway, because they do have two pretty solid goalies in Philip Grubauer and Pavel Fransos. So maybe they wouldn't have been as interested as we thought. But I remember, you know, we did a crossover with Locked On Avalanche going into uh, a Rangers and Avs game this season. And he mentioned that, you know, he would definitely be interested in seeing the Avalanche uh, acquire Henrik Lundqvist. And that he thought that maybe the team could have some interest in that. Just one man's opinion. But, you know, definitely it seemed like if a trade was going to happen, maybe the Avs were among the most possible uh, landing spots for Henrik Lundqvist. I do think it's possible that he'll be back with the Rangers next year to finish out his contract. Again, it is the last year of his deal. And I've talked about this. I'm not so sure Alex Georgie is back with the Rangers next season. Only time is going to tell. But as history has shown us, the Rangers tend not to spend that big on their backup goalie. Now, I realize that in a roundabout way, they'd kind of be going against that if they brought back Henrik Lundqvist because he would be the backup to Shesterkin next year. And obviously, he's making a lot of money. But I don't know how much the Rangers would need that cap space next year. So it's at least possible they they just overpay Lundqvist for one more year as the backup, and then they move on after that, after Lundqvist's contract expires. But only time is going to tell there, and we will see. So we talked about some of the great work that Henrik Lundqvist is doing away from the ice. That's nothing new. I mean, he really is one of the true good guys in hockey. But at the end of our last episode, like I said, I mentioned that Lundqvist was one of the finalists for the King Clancy Memorial Trophy. And the other two finalists are Matt Dumba and P.K. Subban. And you know, over the weekend, I thought we might as well talk about Dumba and Subban as well. And I realized they're not on the Rangers. It's not quite as Ranger-centric as a lot of things that we talk about on this show. But it's 2020. It's been a challenging year. I think anytime you can broadcast a little bit of good news and kind of shine a spotlight at some of the good things that are being done in the world, I think it's a good idea to take the opportunity and do just that. So let's go ahead. We'll talk a little bit about these other two finalists here. Uh, we'll start with Matt Dumba of the Minnesota Wild. He co-founded the Hockey Diversity Alliance with the goal of eradicating systemic racism and intolerance in hockey. Dumba also delivered just a fantastic uh, anti-racism speech before the start of the Blackhawks-Oilers qualifying round series. Uh, he basically just took center ice, spoke about the Black Lives Matter movement, as well as the newly formed HDA, Hockey Diversity Alliance. He, of course, is an executive board member there. And he talked about how during the pandemic, the world has really kind of taken notice of systemic racism. He also mentioned that hockey is a great game, but it could be a whole lot greater, and it starts with all of us. And in addition to everything I just mentioned, uh, he assisted Minneapolis businesses through the Rebuild Minnesota Initiative. He is involved in a fundraiser that has a goal of collecting $500,000 with the funds going directly to Lake Street Council in Minnesota and Action Dignity in Canada. Dumba also helped support families in need during the COVID COVID-19 pandemic. He donated to the Australian wildlife relief efforts and made a surprise tribute for a close family friend to Hockey Fights Cancer. So just fantastic work all around from Matt Dumba. Again, just like Henrik Lundqvist, one of the true good guys in hockey, just doing tremendous work in what has been, again, a very challenging 2020 for a lot of people. And then also P.K. Subban, the third and final finalist for the King Clancy Memorial Trophy Award. And, you know, before we get into Subban's work, I really do have to mention this. And you guys might have had similar sentiments about Subban at one time. But, you know, I can remember when he was in the Montreal Canadiens. And, of course, that's where he started his career. I was definitely not a big fan of him on the ice because Subban, he's one of those guys that just drives you crazy if your team is playing against him. You know, he finds a way to make his presence known on the ice. I think that's the best way I can describe it. Uh, he dishes out some really 
uh, big punishing hits. He sort of plays through the whistle a little bit. He gets involved in some skirmishes in front of the net. You just know that he's out there. You don't have to look too hard to find P.K. Subban. Kind of like Brendan Lemieux. You know, Brendan Lemieux, I think most of us all like him because he's on the Rangers, but he drives you crazy if he's on the opposing team, and it's kind of the same deal with P.K. Subban. And, I mean, Subban is a far more accomplished player than Brendan Lemieux, but typically, one way or another, these guys just find a way to make their presence felt. They find a way to impact the game either with what they're doing on the ice or what they're doing, you know, between whistles. It's kind of that antagonistic style of play that they each use. But then you find out more about P.K. Subban and everything that he does away from the ice, and you find out that he's actually the coolest and most charitable person in the world away from the rink. And ever since, it's kind of been hard to root against P.K. Subban, even now when he's on the Devils, who are obviously one of the Rangers' greatest rivals. But yeah, I mean, Subban, one of the most charitable people in hockey. He made a $50,000 donation to the fundraiser for the daughter of George Floyd, Gianna Floyd. He also continued his efforts through the charitable initiatives of the P.K. Subban Foundation, which focuses on helping children around the globe. And this is just unreal, just a mind-blowing donation here. He made a $10 million pledge to Montreal Children's Hospital, which is still creating new initiatives and fundraisers. I mean, that is just unheard of. And a couple of years ago, he also started PK's Blue Line Buddies, which focuses on building better relationships between law enforcement and inner-city youths. He started that when he was in Nashville as a member of the Predators, and he has continued doing this in New Jersey ever since being traded to the Devils prior to this past season. And he actually was on The Daily Show a couple of years ago to talk about it. So if you get the chance, definitely look up that interview. He tells you a little bit more about it. He explains it better than I ever could. But basically what it does, this PK's Blue Line Buddies, is... He invites law enforcement members to a game, and he also pairs them up with underprivileged youth, and they all go to the game together, and they all take it in together. Uh, players, you know, they have a certain amount of tickets that they can give out to friends, family, or whoever, and he uses this to kind of uh, create a unique watching experience for members of law enforcement who attend the game with underprivileged youth. So definitely a cool thing that he does there as well. And really, with this award, it almost doesn't even matter who actually wins it because you know, it's not the type of award that I'm going to sit here and predict who's going to ultimately claim it. You know, these guys have already won with the outstanding work that they're doing away from the ice. They're not doing all these charitable things to win a trophy. It's a beautiful trophy. I'm sure the winner will be happy to accept it. But I get the feeling whomever might actually win the award, the other two finalists would probably be the first two in line to shake his hand uh, if that was possible. Of course, you know, we're living in these crazy times right now. And so an actual award ceremony with a bunch of people there is not possible. I assume this would all be done virtually. But regardless of who actually wins the award, kudos to all three of these guys. You know, there are some things that are definitely bigger than the game of hockey. I think Lundqvist, Dumba, and Subban all recognize that. And it really is just outstanding work that they're all doing using their respective platforms to try to change the world for the better at a time where the world could definitely use it, to say the very least. Figured we could wrap up today by talking a little bit about the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, one of the things that has kind of jumped out to me a little bit, and it's definitely a little thing, but one of those things that I can appreciate a little bit is the NHL has gone back to seeding everybody one through eight in this round of the playoffs. And of course, you know, we have 12 seeds and 11 seeds who advances from the round before, but now that it's back to the round of 16, the NHL has reseeded everybody and it's one through eight. And I just, I've missed this because when the NHL decided to switch up some rules a bunch of years ago and they got rid of the two-line pass and they went to three-on-three -three overtime rules and they brought the shootout to avoid ties, I liked just about all of those rule changes. And for the most part, the NHL was 
smart enough not to mess with the Stanley Cup playoff tournament. I love the fact that every single round is best of seven. You allow the better team the chance to kind of rise to the top, so to speak, in a nice long seven-game series. You get to go through kind of the highs and lows if it's your team. You know, if you get up one game to nothing or if you're down two games to one, then you really got to win game four. I just really appreciate, you know, the longevity of a seven-game series. I think it's the best way to do the Stanley Cup playoffs. Obviously, this year is unique. We had 24 teams make it. The first round was best of five. It is what it is. But I just like the fact that we've gone back to one through eight because I've never really been a fan of kind of separating the divisions the way they have. Like with the Eastern Conference, you'll have the Metropolitan Division and also the Atlantic Division, and you'll get the top three teams from each division automatically making the playoffs, and then you'll have two wild cards. Sometimes there's one wild card from each division. Sometimes the two wild cards come from the same division, and they kind of section the divisions off in the first two rounds of the playoffs. I've never really been a fan of that. To me, just seed everybody one through eight. I think that's a lot more fun. Uh, you're not forcing division matchups in the first couple rounds of the playoffs. To me, that's what makes the playoffs unique because you know, take the Rangers, for example. They could be up against a bitter rival like the New York Islanders in the first round of the playoffs if you see them one through eight, uh, or they could end up being against a random team like the Carolina Hurricanes. I think that allows for just kind of like a more random nature. Just see them one through eight. Don't overthink everything. The way they do it now typically is you have four one seeds and four two seeds and four three seeds, and then you have, you know, the four wild card teams as well. I just think it's kind of a little bit overly convoluted. Just seed them one through eight. Make the division win the top two seeds, and from there on, whatever order you finish, that's your seed. The team that was in third place in the Eastern Conference, they're the three seed. The team that was in fourth place, they're the four seed, so on and so forth. So I can kind of appreciate the fact that we've almost gone back in time a little bit with this first round of the playoffs here in 2020 because everybody is seeded number one through number eight. So I do think that that's pretty cool. As far as the games and the series themselves, the Washington Capitals have thus far laid an egg. I know a lot of us are probably rooting for the Caps to knock out the Islanders. Obviously, the Islanders, one of the Rangers' greatest rivals. But so far, the Islanders have basically just dominated that series. They are three games to none, and they won game three in overtime. Uh, Matt Barzal basically just drove to the net, tucked a backhand, into the twine and just like that Capitals on the verge of being eliminated on the verge of being swept out of the playoffs by the Islanders obviously as Ranger fans I can't speak for everybody but I think a lot of us probably pulling for the Caps a little bit in that series hopefully the Caps can win game four and at least make it a little bit interesting here the Stars and Flames series has kind of caught my attention a little bit because, you know, watching this series, I knew that I liked a couple of the players on the Flames. I think they definitely have some exciting players on their team. Uh, Johnny Goudreau, he's just a magician with the puck. Elias Lindholm, a very good player. Uh, Milan Lucic, I've even eased off of him. I know he's a former Bruin, but now that he's away from the Bruins, I kind of have fun watching him play. And Sean Monaghan, very good player as well. And of course, Cam Talbot is between the pipes and everything else being equal. I'm going to root for the former Rangers, especially a guy like Cam Talbot, who did such a great job for the Rangers while he was here. And I'm also kind of realizing there's some players on the stars that, you know, maybe I'm not the biggest fan of. Uh, Jamie Benn and Corey Perry definitely come to mind. But yeah, I've definitely been pulling for the Flames in that series. And they were on the verge of going up three games to one just last night. But unfortunately... The Stars tied the game late in regulation. Joe Pavelski with the hat trick. It goes into overtime, and then the Stars win it there as well. So it's been a very competitive series. It's tied at two games apiece. I would imagine that will continue going forward here. Definitely got to be exciting. One of those series that kind of feels like it could be ticketed to go seven games. But we definitely need a game seven, uh, at least a couple of them here in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, for the fan bases of these teams, it's obviously rough rooting for your team in a game seven. It's very nerve-wracking. But for us Ranger fans who have seen the Rangers already be eliminated, uh, 
might as well just root for all these series to go seven games, and uh, the other fan bases can just deal with it as it comes. As far as who I'm rooting for in the playoffs, I'm still going with the Coyotes. You know, they are kind of an underdog team. They're an 11 seed. There's part of me that doesn't necessarily think that a team that lost more games than it won in the regular season should end up hoisting the cup. They did go 33-29-8, and so basically 33-37. and Yes, I know overtime losses are different and that they're worth a point, but they're still losses. The bottom line is the Coyotes won 33 games. They lost 37. But be that as it may, I'm still going to root for the Coyotes for the very simple fact they've got three former Rangers on the team that I really like a lot. Derek Stepan, Michael Grabner, Antti Ranta. Stepan and Grabner have each played very well in the playoffs, and the Coyotes got a much-needed win in Game 3 against the Avalanche, so they're down just two games to one. They're going to be playing Game 4, obviously a pivotal Game 4, a little bit later here today, so that's been a very exciting series as well. And Lightning and Blue Jackets going to be starting Game 4 in just a little bit here, and the Tampa Bay Lightning lead that series two games to one. They, of course, won Game 1 in a quintuple overtime thriller. Just a crazy game. I watched that entire game from start to finish, and... Uh, yeah, I mean, if you like playoff hockey, I don't know how you don't get into a five-overtime game. But that's been a very interesting series as well. And kind of like how it was in the qualifying round when you had Blue Jackets versus Maple Leafs, it's kind of grit versus skill. It's a little bit of the same thing here with the Blue Jackets grit matchup against the Tampa Bay Lightning skill. Although, certainly, you got to tip your cap to the Tampa Bay Lightning a little bit. Winning game one in five overtimes, just kind of enduring a, just a crazy game. After being swept out of the playoffs by the Blue Jackets last season, they respond with a five-overtime win in game one. So the Lightning kind of have this rep, you know, fairly or unfairly as kind of all skill and no grip, but certainly their grit was on display in game one there. But that's going to pretty much do it for today, guys. We will be talking a little bit about the Chris Drury situation in our next episode. Drury, of course, former Ranger captain. He is the assistant general manager for the Rangers and the general manager of the Hartford Wolfpack. And he has recently been given permission to interview for the Florida Panthers general manager vacancy. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, what it could mean for the Rangers going forward if Chris Drury ultimately leaves the team. And just talking a little bit about the job that he's done with Jeff Gorton of, you know, putting the Rangers, getting them going in the right direction. Obviously, this rebuild still ongoing, but definitely pointing in the right direction. There's nothing worse than when you cheer for a team that just seems to have no plan in place. They just kind of do things. But the Rangers have clearly had a plan in place, and Chris Drury, obviously, a part of that as well. So, again, that will do it for today. We'll be back here with a new episode for tomorrow. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you would like to get in touch with this podcast, then please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Now go ahead and tell your smart device to play the latest edition of Locked On NHL. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.